Welcome to the Diabetes What to Know podcast, where we talk to diabetes experts about how to live a long, healthy life with diabetes. We have a very special episode for you tonight with diabetes psychologist, Dr. Susan Guzman, talking about managing the mental and emotional challenges of diabetes. Dr. Guzman, thank you so much for being here with us tonight. Oh, I'm very happy to be here with you. So a lot of the challenges of diabetes are psychological. It's not just about getting blood sugar numbers lower, and those are the things I'd like to talk with you about tonight. We know that the numbers are a real source of discouragement and frustration for a lot of folks. How do you encourage the people you work with to think about the numbers that they see? I really encourage people to think about numbers as just information to make choices, choices that are both informed. So, you know, I, I see this number and gee, maybe um, I should, you know, adjust how I'm eating that or the timing of that or thinking about what goes into that number. But some really important ways that can be helpful. One is you have to look at those numbers without judgment and you look at whatever information there is just to guide your choices. And if you think about not checking, uh, then you're, you're trying to navigate in a dark room. And then when you're able to look at your numbers, you're able to make choices with the lights on. So you're able to see what you're doing. And so you can make choices that are not only informed, but fit in your life. And we call those wise choices. Oh, I love that because I think you're right. A lot of times people don't want to see like a quote bad number on their meter so they won't check at all. And as you're saying, they don't have the information then to make the choices that, that might help them. Exactly. And, and really working, I think that, that diabetes care and education is really working to get away from thinking about numbers as good and bad and really um, thinking about a way to make choices. And, and that's it, choices that are important for your diabetes and for your overall life. For example, someone who attended one of our programs said he was felt really depressed that he has his young daughter who he really enjoys Saturday pancakes with. And he said, I felt like I had to give up all those pancakes and that I could never enjoy that meal with her again. And when he looked at his numbers and, and indeed when he had those pancakes, um, he did have a, an increase in his blood glucose, but overall he could make those pancakes fit into his life. And so he, know, he knew that the, that the blood glucose numbers would rise, but he could still do the pancakes in a way that fit into his life. And sometimes you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to take that increase in blood glucose because that's important to me. And so it's really working on make, making choices without, you know, that fit into your life. And, and, and you're, you're more than just your diabetes. I know a lot of people get nervous before a doctor's appointment. Any suggestions for how they can manage that anxiety? There's a certain amount of anxiety that goes, that, they, that I would just call, you know, normal uh, normal anxiety around seeing a healthcare professional, but what it's really about is fear of judgment or, you know, being told you're not doing good enough. And I think that that's, you know, that's the big problem with that. And, and if you feel like you're being judged or that you're being scolded or that you're being told you're not good enough, I think then, you know, you, you may need to even have a discussion with your healthcare professional that you feel that way. Um, sometimes there's subtle ways that, that they may be communicating things they don't intend to. Um, you know, most people with diabetes who have type 2 diabetes feel like they're failing at the job of diabetes. What, we, what we've learned from our studies is that about 40% of people feel like they uh, feel like they're failing at the tasks of diabetes management. They're not eating well enough. They're not exercising enough. Uh, they're maybe not taking their medications well enough and really feel like overall they're failing at that job. And so feeling like you're, you're, you're about to get a report card instead of 
um, you know, just feedback with your teammate was, you know, if you think about your, your physician is works for you. So, you know, getting your needs met. Okay, Dr. Guzman, if someone watching has just been diagnosed with diabetes and they're feeling really discouraged and overwhelmed, what would you want them to know? The first thing I want them to know is that when you're diagnosed with diabetes, it is an overwhelming experience. And there's probably a grief reaction that happens. You know, why me um, feeling bad that now you have to, you know, make significant adjustments. You've maybe just been handed this giant to-do list that feels overwhelming. And so, you know, having that, that experience of difficult feelings, especially at diagnosis, is a normal experience. And I encourage people to to learn about diabetes, but don't put pressure on themselves to do everything all at once. That think about what are the most important changes that I'm interested in making that might um, serve my overall um, health better. And start with those. Sometimes um, it, it really involves starting with the medication, for example. And, and maybe that's that's your first step. That's your first change. Um, maybe it's um, making some alterations in, in your eating behavior or moving your body more. But start with something small and let that count. Oh, I love that reminder that starting small, those small changes count and matter a lot. And they add up over time as well, which, which is, can lead to big change. Absolutely. So we've heard from so many people that they just want to be off of medications, but unfortunately we know that's not realistic for many people with type two. How would you suggest they might reframe that goal? I really encourage people to think about how do you know you're in a safe place with your diabetes and how we know that is based on your important numbers. So your A1C, your blood pressure, and your LDL cholesterol in general, those are the three important numbers, your ABCs of diabetes. A1C, blood pressure, LDL, cholesterol. And if those are in, in a safe place and you're at your goals that set, were set with, for you with, with together with your doctor, then we know in general you're in a safe place. And oftentimes people with diabetes require medication to get those things in a safe place. That's not a metric of how well you're doing, how many medications you're on. We only know how well you're doing with your diabetes by those important numbers. So we only can know if you're in a safe place with your diabetes by knowing your important numbers. And so don't be fooled. Um, less medication doesn't mean that you're healthier and more medication doesn't mean that you're sicker. So speaking of making changes and you know trying to eat healthier and exercise more, we know that is hard to do. And you know, falling off the wagon sometimes is pretty much inevitable. How do you suggest people work to be kind to themselves while still prioritizing you know, making those healthy changes? I think that you know, that is key because diabetes, you know, it, sometimes people say it's not a race, it's a marathon, but marathon isn't even appropriate because marathons end too. And so you're, you're trying to keep up these health behavior changes for the rest of your life. And so there are going to be times when you're, uh, you have setbacks in, in your life or you'll have changes, you know, things will take precedent and, you know, you might have to back burner some of your self-care activities. And um, it's normal to have things, your, you know, your choices ebb and flow over time. And so I think that, you know, doing a, 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 what I call a healthy, good enough mindset. And what that means is healthy, good enough is what can I, what, what reflects my best effort with what, everything that's going on with me today. And sometimes today, I'm not going to be able to make time for some of the things on other days that I would. And if you had a setback, 
then you can start over today. So what's my healthy good enough today? It re reflects your best effort while also consider everything else that you have to that's going on in your life. So kind of embracing the idea of healthy good enough really kind of means being kind to ourselves, right? Like recognizing, hey, you know, things, some certain things are beyond my control. Sometimes my day goes haywire and I really don't have anything to do with it. How do you suggest someone start being kind to themselves, recognizing that, you know, what they're doing is good enough and, and healthy enough today? A lot of people with diabetes are very hard on themselves. And I, you know, I think that that comes naturally given how much people are being told that they need to do different or better. And um, so self-compassion can be really tough. And I always encourage people if they're trying to, you know, work on their, their inner voice to be more compassionate is to think about what would you say to someone who you really love? And sometimes people think, well, that's, you know, maybe I'm being too easy on myself. And, 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 you know, self-compassion is not about, um, making it, you know, okay to just say, oh, well, forget it and I'll just eat whatever I want. That's not self-compassion. Self-compassion is recognizing your own humanity and showing up for yourself like your own best friend. Um, and sometimes your own best friend might say, you know what, you have to decide what's really important to you. And, you know, do you really um, want to avoid medication or do you really want to have a healthy um life with diabetes. So, you know, so sometimes self-compassion means when you show up with your own best friend voice, that you're actually um, being honest and kind, but you may, you may not be like uh, letting yourself off the hook, if you will. So self-compassion is one coping skill. Are there others that you feel it's important for people with diabetes to develop? There's a couple that I think are really important. One is to watch the all or nothing thinking. So what happens a lot of times is people will engage in all or nothing thinking around their diabetes. So I'm either going to do it all or nothing at all. Or I blew my diet today, so I'll start again tomorrow rather than saying, oh, well, I had a, you know, I had an excursion from, you know, for breakfast and, you know, I will, you know, get back at it for lunch and dinner. Or, you know, I didn't exercise today and I didn't, I can't get in my full workout. So I'm not even going to bother doing any today. So it's really easy to start engaging that all or nothing relationship with diabetes. Again, instead of that healthy, good enough attitude. I think another one is mindfulness. So mindfulness is one of those buzzwords and it's a, a little bit hard to wrap your brain around until like once it clicks, it clicks. But mindfulness is really about being in the present moment. So that's not getting lost in the regrets of the past or fortune telling about things that are going to come down the road. It's really focusing on right now. So right now you can tackle this moment. And then, so what, you know, what can I choose right now? And so in that way, you don't get lost in decisions that you've made or regret that you might have or guilt that you might be experiencing because that's gone and you're not lost in, or consumed and worry about the future because that hasn't happened yet. So mindfulness is really just about being present in this moment right here. That's wonderful. I have a friend who talks about the medicine of right now, that when we're not thinking about what we've done wrong in the past or how it could go wrong in the future, we're really able to kind of handle this moment and that that is very, uh, very healing. So many people feel that having diabetes is their fault, that it's something that they brought on themselves. What would you say to someone watching at home who might feel this way? That's a very common thought to have, and it's wrong. Uh, that a lot of times people do get blamed for diabetes because you know you're told 
that there's prevention strategies, but that leads people to believe that when they've, you know, developed type two diabetes, that it's because, you know, they didn't make those changes. And the same lifestyle factors exist in many other conditions. Many, cancer has all the same risk factors, weight, um, uh, eating behaviors, uh, being more sedentary, and genetics. So, uh, you know, genetics play a key role. And, and there's something, you know, you can't pick your parents. So there's only so much that you can do with what you have. And it really doesn't make any sense to, to, to blame people for developing diabetes. Because, you know, again, you do the best you can with what you have in front of you. Nobody chooses diabetes. So how would you suggest if someone is feeling embarrassed or, or feeling like it's their fault, how would you suggest they kind of shift that mindset to recognizing, okay, my health is my responsibility. So it's not my fault, but it is something I need to kind of like pay attention to and care about. Right. I'm not to blame. And yet I'm in charge of my own choices. And I, and I, in, un, unfortunately, our messaging around diabetes kind of confuses that that you know you're not to blame and yet your choices really matter you matter and your choices matter and 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 again if we can take all the judgment out of it it's so much easier than to say what choices am i going to make based on what's important to me and you know we can't say what's important to somebody else and so just like the man with the pancakes that was really important to him to be able to share that with his daughter and so that's a choice that he's going to make and that's not for anyone else to judge and you know are there things that then he can do to make up for that and make a safer choice absolutely so you know again bringing taking the judgment out of it and really thinking about how do i make choices that fit into my life based on what's important to me so Dr. Guzman, let's talk a little bit more about food. I think feeling like we aren't going to be able to enjoy the foods we love is probably the biggest challenge of diabetes for most people. How do you encourage the people you work with to think about food? I think about encouraging people to think about what they can add and, and, and what they can still enjoy um, and, not, and avoid a deprivation mindset. So instead of giving something up, how do you incorporate it into If it's important for you to keep, then keep it and find a way to make it safe for you. So, you know, modern diabetes care allows for a lot of excursions from um, what we used to think of as a diabetes way of eating. You don't have to give up everything you love. There's a lot of ways that you can um, incorporate the foods that you enjoy. Maybe you have less of them and less frequently, but that doesn't mean you have to give them up altogether. So I'm just going to put a plug in here, folks, that if you go talk to a diabetes care and education specialist who's a dietitian, they can really help you kind of you know, customize your meal plan to make sure you can include those experiences like pancakes that matters to you. So there's a lot more flexibility than I think we used to think there was. Absolutely. And you know that again, back to the checking and knowing your numbers, then you can do experiments to see you. So again, you can make an informed choice. If someone watching at home worries a lot about diabetes and how it may be impacting their health, what are some strategies you'd suggest to help them manage that anxiety? I really do encourage that people find out the real facts around diabetes. It's very common for people to worry about complications. And, you know, a lot of scary messages are, you know, everywhere around diabetes. And we hear diabetes is the leading cause of, you know, blindness, kidney failure, non-traumatic amputation. And the truth is, it's not diabetes itself. It's diabetes that's not in a safe place over time. And so that's a really important difference because there's a lot you can do to stay safe with diabetes. 
And, so, and, the, and again, the only way that you can know if you're in a safe place with diabetes is to know your important numbers. And if they're in a safe place in general, you're in a safe place. And again, bringing your, your mind back to the now, if you're going to focus on now, then what can you do now? What reflects your best effort? You're healthy, good enough today. And tomorrow is not written yet. It's never too late to start to work on your diabetes. Even if you have complications from diabetes, and many people uh, start diabetes journey with heart disease already, that doesn't mean you're doomed, that there's a lot of hope. There's a lot with, with modern care. There's so much that you can do to stay well with diabetes, even with complications. Oh, that's such an inspiring message. So Dr. Guzman, do you notice that your patients who have family support do better than those who don't? I think that the studies show that people who have someone rooting for them, and if it's not a family member, it's somebody, just somebody rooting for them, that they do better. Um, not just better emotionally, but better with, you know, making health behavior changes because, you know, diabetes is what's sometimes described as a team sport. And so if you feel like you're the only one in your home trying to make these changes, it, it is harder. So having family members, um, coworkers, friends, or even someone else with diabetes that's, that's rooting for you and working with you to make changes, it can be very helpful. Any suggestions for getting a family member or a friend involved if they're not currently? I think that there's a lot of ways to start to involve people in your life, in your diabetes self-management, if that's important to you. Some people want their family members to have nothing to do with it. So I would think about before you start the conversation, think about what you really want. Uh, that's not a one-size-fits-all answer there. And so, you know, think about what would I really want if I were to make an ask? And then ask. It, it, uh, a lot of times people think those in their lives should automatically know what they're supposed to do or um, that, you know, if they loved me, they'd really just join in without me having to ask. But we, we know that that's not true with anything, um, and diabetes included, that, you know, if you really want the support, it's important to ask for it and be specific. Like, it would really help, help me if you would join me in taking a walk after dinner, or it would really help me if those Oreo cookies that call to me so, you know, every time that there's no one else in the room, if maybe we didn't buy them or we put them in a place that that's you know not as easy for me to grab or whatever it is that you feel like you need, um, ask for ask for that support. Well, I really like those examples because they're very very specific, and I think there's a lot of people have the experience of family members who want to help, but they just don't know exactly how to get started. So I really like the idea of making it really clear how they can help. Mm -hmm. And you can also say what's not helpful, you know. So it's like instead of policing my you know behavior here, this is what you can do instead that I would actually find helpful. So one person on our Facebook page asked, how do you stay motivated with diabetes year after year after year? You know, you said that diabetes isn't a marathon because even marathons end. What would you say to someone about kind of maintaining that motivation over the long run? That's a hard one because again, recognizing that your diabetes is going to change over time, your abilities are going to change over time and, and life changes over time. So bringing it back to what can I do right now based on what's important to me? I think to remember why you're bothering with all of the job of diabetes is really important. Uh, sometimes people are asked to make all these changes and never really explored why are you bothering with that, you know, those changes? Why does it matter to you? And thinking about, you know, why you're managing your diabetes beyond, you know, having numbers, what's important in your life? You know, people will say things like, 
you know, I want to be around to see my grandkids or I want to walk my daughter down the aisle or I like golf. And I now that I'm finally retired, I want to be able to, to have the stamina to you know, walk the course or whatever is important to you to remember why you're bothering. And, and then again, get support if you need it. As if you're feeling like you're burned out in your diabetes care, to make a plan for addressing it. So to, to refocus and picking things that can help you feel more successful. So glad you talked about diabetes burnout because someone else shared on the page that they are just sick of doing all they need to do to be healthy with diabetes. And kind of as you alluded to the all or nothing phenomenon before, you know, how would you suggest someone kind of find that happy medium between, you know, doing that healthy good enough versus feeling like if I can't do it perfectly, I'm, I'm just not going to try at all. That's a really big problem in diabetes care that, you know, people have that feeling that if you think about diabetes as a job and the burnout literature comes actually from occupational burnout. And if you think about diabetes as a job, it makes sense. And burnout has two components. There's an emotional component, like, oh, I just don't feel like I have gas in the tank for that anymore. You just, you get up and go, got up and went. Um, and also it's showing up in your work product. And in this case, it would be your diabetes management. So that you feel like, oh, I'm because I'm so tired, I'm, I'm really not doing the task that I know I need to do. And, and again, that feeling like you're failing. If you, failing, if you feel like you're failing at a job that you never even wanted in the first place, you can imagine how that would lead to, forget it, you know, that, that burnout feeling. So again, refocusing your attention. If you're, if you're burned out, um, that's a good opportunity then to sort of have a, a wipe the slate clean and start fresh today. What are, the, what are the key jobs? You don't have to do all 150 tasks. Just pick one or two that were, will have the most likelihood to show up in those important numbers. So it, let's say you, you give yourself permission to say, well, I'm not going to really focus on my eating behavior, but I am going to really make sure that I'm not missing my medication. That counts. That matters. And, and so I think that there's some simple ways that you can start you know, refocusing on what really matters, and having maybe some support along the way. So Dr. Guzman, thank you so, so much for joining us tonight. This has been such an inspiring conversation as always. Thank you. We will be back with a new episode in a few weeks. Until then, please stay safe and take good care. Good night.